0: If the Bible's got you tied in knots, if you're burdened with religious thoughts, come grab a drink and join the choir,
1: it's Heretic Happy Hour. And the sweet, sweet sounds of Barrett Johnson lead us into this week's episode of the Heretic Happy Hour podcast. Hey, I'm Keith Giles, one of your three amazing hosts of the Heretic Happy Hour podcast. I'm the author of so many books, but most recently, Jesus unveiled Forsaken Church as we know it, for Ecclesia as God intended, uh, from the amazing choir publishing. And uh, I'm also joined by Jamal and Matt. Hey, guys, introduce yourselves.
2: Hi, friends. My name is Jamal. It's a pleasure to be back on the Heretic Happy Hour podcast with you guys. I'm the author of a couple of books, most recently, Living for a Living, put up by choir. And um, Keith, welcome back from the Wild Goose Festival.
1: Oh, yeah. Man, my yeah. And are retired.
2: yeah absolutely uh man it um gosh one of my favorite people were there mary ann williamson he, he, I, i'm just so jealous you got to hear oh, her she was in there? person
1: oh yeah. yeah yeah we hung out um, it was great it was one of the really only
2: cool. presidential candidates that got invited to the wild goose mm. that's cool yeah
1: yeah well, well yep she was there i can confirm she was there yes
3: that's cool. Well, I wasn't there, but uh this is Matt DiStefano, Stefano, the author of four below average books. And uh really <laughs> excited true. to it's be here on now. another <laughs> I'm just fucking with you. They're way they're well above average. Um <laughs> it depends on who you ask. But uh yeah, happy to be here for another episode uh, on this fine early morning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a coffee heretic happy not an yes, alcohol it is. one. So uh yeah. bear with us, folks.
1: I think Jamal, weren't you going to say something? You have like an announcement. Oh, or something?
2: yes. I apologize, guys. Yes, I have an announcement. I was really, really excited to talk about the, this uh, this thing called the Hotline, which, by the way, um, I don't know how many podcasts are represented at the Wild Goose Festival, but if we were there, I guarantee you we would be the only podcast with the Hotline. That's so right. uh, let me give out the number um, for folks just in case. And we do invite all listeners to call this 240. 240- three four three seven three seven nine you can call it text it anytime and we actually had a text come in to the hotline um recently so go. awesome okay man it's always hot off the press okay um here's the text quote hey guys just wanted to let you know how much i appreciate your podcast i just recently found your show and i love it i just finished episode 18 It is what I thought church should have been when I stopped attending traditional church 30 years ago. It has only been within the last couple of years that I even picked up a Bible again. When I listen to your podcast, it reminds me of why I started to follow Jesus in the first place. I have conversations with all three of you during each podcast, even pausing the player to make sure I get my thoughts out. I don't know you personally, but I love all three of you. You may not all agree with each other 100% of the time, but at the end of the day, I believe it's about allowing God back into our garden. The garden um, we were placed in to till and to keep and letting God plant (laughs) seeds and water them in us so that we begin to bear the fruits of the spirit and manifest that in the world and help others see themselves as God sees them. Your podcast helps me do that. And I am grateful. Peace, brothers. My name is Eric, by the way. Unquote. Yeah.
1: Well, I just, can I just say guys, since I was at, I just got back I mean, literally last night, just got back from ball goose. And that was one of the most beautiful things. I was, it was overwhelming to me, um, Saturday, especially, I mean, it seemed like every five minutes someone was coming up to me and saying, oh my gosh, Keith, I love the podcast. You guys are doing, you know, you, you're basically paraphrasing what this guy just said. Like, and I always say we kind of tripped on something, you know, I don't think we had any idea when we started this podcast that it was going to have this kind of impact on people's. uh Lot, their actual life, you know, that it's mm. it, for many people, it's beyond just um entertaining, hopefully, uh, but it actually is speaking something really beautiful. So, you know, thank mm. you. Thank you, Eric, for for that text. And thank you, all of you who listen and who send us messages like that and encouragement like that. It means a lot. Mm.
3: Yeah, it does. Yeah. My my only quibble is that the Bible doesn't exist. So I don't know
2: how you picked it up.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> 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 Matt, <clears throat> that is heretical. Um You know, you know so. but Eric. I do appreciate the the text from eric. it It is super sweet to, yeah, we we do really um we're blown away with um just how much I think that our this conversation has just really spoke to the spirit of people and encouraged people on their journey. So Eric, thank you for that um for that beautiful text. and we really appreciate you guys listening to the podcast. I mean it it is um it, it's a conversation, so we appreciate you. And yeah. we have another another text that came into the hotline. This is from a listener, quote, is Jesus God or prophet, or is it impossible to know? I believe all religions point to God. I remember in catechism in fifth grade, a sister told us that all religions lead to God. She drew a diagram on the chalkboard to show us. So why is Jesus God and not the other deities? Asking this question usually gets no answer because, quote, the Bible told me so, unquote, really doesn't cut it. And that is from a listener. Great, great question. Yeah.
3: I feel like we've touched on this sort of thing um, often throughout uh, our 50 some (laughs) odd episodes, but um, no, I, I I know. I I think I'm right there, right there with uh, the listener in in that uh, I do believe there's truth to be gleaned from all faith traditions. Um, And I don't, I don't know. I mean, Jamal, you'll probably agree with me if, um, if Jesus is God, well, Maybe, maybe we're, we're all a manifestation of God. I, I, I'm not sure. Yeah, I knew that was coming, but I'm not sure if there's, I don't know. I don't really concern myself personally with, uh, with the difference between, you know, I, I don't know if there's a difference between Jesus and us necessarily in terms of, um, our divine nature or Jesus's divine nature or the Buddha's divine nature or anything. So. I don't know. That's just where I'm at. Um, yeah, and, and uh, like like you, the Bible told me, so it doesn't really cut it either because when we talk to Bar Ehrman, I mean, he shows that in the Gospels, the um, the divinity of Jesus kind of um, takes, a, it, it goes on a trajectory until we get to, you know, like the later formulation mm-hmm. that, you know, Christ, Jesus was God yeah. before he was even born. And, and, and that wasn't necessarily the view um, as as it's fleshed out as time
2: goes on. So, I, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you know, my thoughts are that I think you're you're what you're dealing with in the in the gospels, in the canonical gospels that we have, is you're dealing with a Jewish concept. So, the, obviously, the Jewish, the traditional Jewish idea is just, you know, it's the separate God somewhere in the sky, kind of that 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 vantage point. And so Jesus comes, and but the the way Jesus talks about God and the way that Jesus talks about himself you you it i think the the early christians were right to pick up the fact that wow jesus is really making himself synonymous with with deity with with the father with his, you know in the language that was used in that day to describe god's source so it's it's like he doesn't come at it from the traditional jewish separation standpoint where there's the god out there and then there's us and it can be confusing so people then have and this is the problem with humans is that they I believe that the root of suffering of humanity is that humans fundamentally picture themselves as separate from God. And, and I mean separate, not just like because we've sinned and we're now separate in relationship. I'm not talking about like that. I mean, like our actual being essence, they picture God out here and then uh, people over here. And I don't think that's fundamentally accurate. Um, and, and Jesus really refers to himself as divine in some of his statements. Of course, it's, it's uh, he doesn't come right out because I don't think he needs people to know to like worship him in the way that the Jews were taught to worship God. But at the same time, he does make himself in essence equal to God. But then he also makes us he, the way he ref- refers to other humans, he refers to other humans as being just like him. Mm-hmm. So I think this is where uh, Christianity, I really feel like, has missed the boat completely on the teachings of Jesus is because. Christians fundamentally and I when I say Christians I'm talking about the what would come to be known as Christianity and the church fundamentally has made elevated Jesus to the place of an idol to the place of a of a deity like a Greek God um, and I, I personally just don't think Jesus ever came to set himself up as an exclusive divine figure in a way that elevates himself above any other human being I think he came to Elevate the view of humanity in the mindset of humanity which thereby would also you know and and what w- the way we do that is we understand that we are literally expressions of the divine and when we understand that then we understand what kind of God we're talking about so anyway that's a longer conversation but okay. that is I think uh, you know uh, that was the big, the, the major pushback even from muslims i come from a muslim background that was a major pushback the traditional understanding that god had a child and somehow jesus is this divine figure in a way that nobody else is and um yeah i personally wouldn't agree with that and again that would put me at odds with traditional christian teaching and well I,
1: I yeah i think uh what the thing i love about the even the question by the way it's a great question um mm-hmm. what i love about the question is the part about the mystery and i think i i think uh, we should embrace mystery um <clears throat> Especially when it comes to questions like this, uh, in other words, it's better for us to ask the question rather than to arrive at what we believe is the definitive answer. Sure. And and, uh, and I also think, uh, like Richard Ward says this a lot, <clears throat> that um, you know we we've decided religion has made Jesus someone to worship because if if we worship him, it means we don't have to follow him. And I, I think mm. it's more important that we're following the teachings of Jesus than we're hung up on whether or not we are worshiping him. Uh, right and that, like and like Jamal said i don 't think that was necessarily something he wanted, so speaking of that, um I think yeah. our friends at Zondervan would probably agree with everything we just said and uh, that's <laughs> that 's why they 've given us stacks of free uh new revised standard version of Bibles <laughs> to give away to our listeners so they can read for themselves uh that how everything we 're saying is completely true and um <laughs> uh we uh we actually do have a winner right. in content uh kevin carter uh he's Yeah, way to go, baby. It's on the way to you. Uh, Episode 48 was his favorite. Uh, the episode with Brian Zahn on the atonement. That was a pretty good one as well. So if you would like to win, we only have four left. So let the battle begin. Um, here's how you can win your free copy of this, these brand new comfort print, new revised standard version Bibles. Um, by the way, you can also, if you want to see the lineup, you can go to nrsv.net and check those out. Uh, but here's how you win them. Uh, you can either call the hotline with a 60 second hilarious Bible story, but keep it down to 60 seconds or less. Or you can share uh, your favorite episode, a link to your favorite episode on Facebook or Twitter and tag a host, not Matt, and <clears> and let us know. Uh, and then we will enter you in the drawing to win. So congratulations, Kevin. Yeah.
2: Yes. And Ke- Kevin, just be careful with that, okay? Because you don't want to get sent into the dark ages like the church by, <laughs> by delving into this book. Just be careful. Yeah. I'm not saying you can't read it. Just be yeah. careful. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah, which I guess it means that uh, it's time for us
0: to roll into the heretic of the week.
3: It's the heretic of the week.
0: Hi, my name is Dustin, and I'm a heretic.
1: Hi, Hi, Dustin. Dustin. Hi. Hey. (laughs) So, Dustin, uh, it's really cool to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for being our guest. Mm -hmm. Um, For people who may not know uh, a whole lot about you or just not be sure about your journey, Uh, can you let us know why is it that some people today might consider you a heretic? Uh,
0: well, the journey is long and, uh, beset with many dangers, (laughs) but, uh, uh, currently, uh, I think some would consider me a heretic because, uh, one departure from inerrancy, uh, which then opens the doors to all sorts of fun stuff, but uh, I would, I'm would. i really uh, into process theology uh, at the moment, and finding that, uh, and kind of surrounding ways of thinking to be a way, maybe a, a third way that I did not um, always understand was an option. Uh, so in the past, I, I kind of thought, okay, well, we've got uh, what you grew up with in the evangelical church. And, um, you know, I'd always, always questioned what I believed and really studied into things and tried to build solid apologetics for all of that stuff. Uh, I tend to be pretty analytical. And so, uh, when I would kind of hit a road bump, my, my choice was always, okay, do I, uh, go with a kind of Materialism, where goodness, truth, and beauty are not real things. Uh, they're just imaginary concepts that don't really correspond to anything because I don't have a consciousness. Or are those things so important to me that I hold on to them, the price being that I am believing in a God that comes off as capricious and vicious and violent at mm. times, and I don't know what mm. to do with that. Um, uh, along and that so that goes along with you know uh, the kind of false dichotomy of okay the Bible is either inerrant or it's totally uh, useless and uh, that's not true either so I just didn't right. I didn't have like I had the capacity to think through what I thought about these t- these two options but I didn't have a third way open to me so I didn't know how to get there mm-hmm. uh, so now now I get a lot of people telling me not to identify as a Christian on social media. Uh, because I don't line up with uh you
1: know well you're what, not th- what yeah, they're they not their brand of Christian, so yeah. they don't like you yeah, so other than inerrancy what were some other was that the first thing that kind of came along with inerrancy and then other things followed, or what what are some other uh sort of questions that you had or deviations you made from things you grew up with theologically
0: uh i mean in- inerrancy is the kind of uh, fountainhead of it, if you will because That's what really controls a a tight theological reign on you know what is in or out and uh, what's orthodox or not. And uh, so, I I mean, I had always, 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 always was bothered by uh, what we do with the Bible as far as the the canon. So I understood, you know, I I knew all the reasons why these books were selected and by whom, and um, you know, it's. For a process like that, it seemed uh, well enough and good. But then once it became you know, the canon, it, it seems to instantly then elevate to something else mm-hmm. uh, besides these books that we are saying, okay, we have reason to believe that these are worthwhile to keep in our tradition and to learn from. Uh, and all of a sudden it becomes, whoa, now it's all magical and it all says the same thing. <laughs> And and so that it just never really sat right with me. I was like, okay, I'm following you to here then. uh, And so the, you know, the classic argument, well, it's not really an argument, but what everybody says uh, when I try to talk about this is, you know, it's, it's kind of this, there's a practical aspect to it of saying, well, if you, if you don't just hold that, it's all perfectly in alignment that just leaves us in utter chaos. And so we can't have that, but that's not an argument. That's a fear. That's right. Um, yep. And yeah, so I, I'd always felt that way. always been kind of bothered by it, but didn't really know a third way. Didn't know any people who were on that third path or whatever. And came out of, uh, like we'll get bogged down if we go too far into it, but I was in a, a very unhealthy ministry uh, atmosphere up in the northwest, and mm-hmm. came back down to California, uh, detoxed a little bit, was out of church, felt like we had some healing uh, for me, and my wife, and um, was in a good spot. I started helping out with worship there again, and feel like okay, this is this is this is a much healthier place uh, than I was at, and. Uh, so I wasn't in uh, some weird state of uh, rebellion when I kind of came into all this. I was like, I was on the road uh, writing another worship record, doing some research, and uh, I had seen a uh, Five Views of Inerrancy book uh, pop up, and I was like, Oh, that would be good. That's like so. It's like kind of within the tradition I'm in, and Uh, I'll I'll get some different takes on it. Maybe I'll find something that makes a little more sense to me Mm -hmm. than I I currently have. And uh, so Pete ends uh, in the end was the, I mean, there was, there's some smart and thoughtful people contributing, but he ends up answering the questions that are posed to him as I, I don't think these can be solved through any view of inerrancy. And that was the only thing that made any sense to me. I was like, yeah, I don't either like I know all the ins and outs of how to try to argue yourself out of why God commanded genocide but none of them are truly satisfying at the end of the day so
2: mm-hmm. right um,
0: right, yeah so that I, I just started researching more and more and uh, there was a moment where it just tipped and I was like oh okay so I definitely don't think that anymore and I don't see how I could ever go back to it um, but yeah that opened up just like, whoa! What do I think then? What is going on? Um, and found my way into really digging on process philosophy and theology, um, which uh, so that was a long way to answer your question. But no, that's fine. Some of those other things, some of those other things that are, you know, would well, be go along with that are a very, very different view of God's relation to the world, God's. Um, agency and the way he would exercise um power as uh not coercive right um yeah so that that stuff it's a it's a pretty large redefinition of uh of how you view god
2: dustin this is jamal by the way it's great to have you on the podcast appreciate you being here um thanks man yeah yeah i i um I think uh, and just for our listeners, you know, and obviously, you know, a lot of folks who have followed you, you will know this about you, but obviously, you know, a f- uh, forming member of the of the band Thrice and then also a prominent worship leader, as you mentioned, I think it was up, it was at Mars Hill up in uh, Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that's a very high profile position and you were, you know, worship leader there. But for someone to go through, we have a lot of listeners who are in different You know, and we get this, and we have a we have a forum on Facebook in which people you know share their process and where what they're going through. And a lot of folks are really struggling because they have a lot of the similar questions about inerrancy they have been brought up in a in a religious system in which inerrancy is the only way, and um, and as, as well as a lot of other things that evangelical Christianity kind of teaches. Not you cannot question. These are just like what I call pillars or foundational marks of evangelicalism, and. Um, but they're questioning these things and they really like are struggling with how to navigate being in these environments because they're still part of these churches. These, they're very meshed in all these relationships in these churches. So it's not an easy or clean thing But mm-hmm. then when they start questioning. How did you just curious about what your process was like as a worship leader, specifically in relation to worship, in relation to your position? I mean, maybe those are two separate things, but how did you navigate And again where you were? I don't imagine there was a lot of uh, grace, so to speak, in allowing people to have these questions. So how did you have this question about inerrancy and to see that, you know, I guess, I guess that was the unraveling piece for you. How did you navigate that being a worship leader? How did that affect you in your ability to engage in and your understanding of worship uh, at the time? And how did it, how was it received?
0: Well, well uh, this was not going on when I was up in uh, Seattle, but this was back in in Orange County. Okay. Um, so, but still, uh, I mean, that is a, the social aspect and the self policing that happens in any kind of community is, is very strong and intense. Uh, it scares people if someone starts to think differently, mm-hmm. uh, and it's understandable, yeah. uh, but it, it doesn't make it any easier. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I was at, uh, a church down there, a smaller church, and, uh, they were, uh, Patient enough with me on that stuff, and I was trying to walk it out with them, and just be honest about where I was at, and I didn't know, you know, exactly where I was landing at all. Also, became busier on the road at the time. It just kind of uh, in between churches now, so it, it it just moved to a point where it was like, I, not just from this issue, but um, both my wife and I are, were just. Uh, feeling like we were seeing the world a bit differently, yeah. especially in terms of uh, how how we speak about and view people who think differently than us. Um, yeah, so it, it, yeah, we're uh, we're looking for a new place right now. Yeah. But it is very hard to walk it out with people who are scared that you are uh, either somehow infecting <laughs> them with your yes your new ideas, or uh, they're genuinely. Concerned that God's going to burn you in hell forever, yeah, and uh, that really, I've the more I think about it, uh, the belief in, I mean, especially as it's formulated in eternal conscious torment, mm-hmm. uh, that that belief really, really skews people's ability to be able to think about about issues without that uh, kind of cutting down. any intellectual intellectual freedom that they would have to explore something.
1: Yeah. So that's a pretty big, uh, you know, the whole idea of eternal suffering is for many people that is, uh, that's the big issue. Like that's either what keeps them from becoming a Christian or what eventually drives them away from the faith because they really can't reconcile this, you know, loving father God that Jesus presents who's supposed to be, you know, God is love. And yet apparently he's going to roast his, some of his children uh, forever and ever and ever. And what is, you know, so reconciling that is, is really, really difficult for people. And, and some people never reconcile it. And that's the reason why they walk away. Uh,
0: yeah. Well, what, what, I think what's, that's an issue that's uh, bothered me and act that I was moving. I mean, this is, so the the kind of the tipping point with inerrancy, it's it's just one part of a longer mm-hmm. journey. So I mean, even before that, when I came to this church down in California, I told them before I was doing anything on uh, worship or whatever, I was like, "Hey, just so you know, I'm at least an annihilationist and uh, probably leaning more towards a universalist in some mm-hmm. sense." So um, just because I I no longer felt like it was, I don't. The whole idea of eternal conscious torment is w- so much of an overstep yes. from what is actually in the Bible. Yes, um, and yet it gets it gets locked into like you know churches' uh, statements of faith and stuff, and you're just like, what? Like this is this is so so much more than you have to go on, and it's such a huge uh, issue that you're you're freaking people out, you're turning people away because they're like, no way, I, I'm not going to believe in a god that does that. And so you're, you're putting good words. in. even if you're going to be an inerrantist, you're, you're way overstepping what I think is, is uh, reasonable
1: in, yeah. in the text. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so how difficult has it been? Uh, two things. Hopefully this is, this is fair to ask two questions because you mentioned two things that I'm curious about. One was he talked about you and your wife together. So I, I mean, I want to know how that, did you guys track together? Did you process this together? did you kind of get ahead of her and she had to catch up to you? Like, how did that affect your relationship on the one side? But also you mentioned finding a church and I'm, I'm curious uh, how challenging is it to find a church where some of these questions are okay to ask or some of these issues are okay to not have, you know, uh, firm Mm -hmm. answers for.
0: Yeah. Um, first question. Uh, I did a very bad job (laughs) with, uh, (laughs) with, with that, uh, (laughs) So, I tend to, uh, uh, I mean, I can process a lot of information. And I, by the time that I make a decision, uh, I've thought like a lot about something, but it, I don't communicate a ton with, <laughs> outside of my brain. So, uh, I kept meaning to talk to her about it. And, um, I was on the road and I was reading and I was thinking, and, uh, she was having a hard time at home and I was trying not to like, Waiting for like a good time to talk about it, mm-hmm. and then I think I texted her something about <laughs> I'm not sure if I believe in inerrancy anymore. And don't ever do that, that's yeah. a really bad. <laughs> yeah, idea. hey, honey, I'm um, a heretic,
1: uh, just wanted you to know, <laughs> yeah, uh,
0: yeah. So I freaked her out real good, yeah. um, but uh, yeah, so we worked through uh, that stuff, and she's on a, I would say, a parallel, yeah, uh. Path, but she processes things very differently, uh, mm-hmm. more, more from a gut level. Uh, I'm much more kind of heady. Um, she's very, very smart, but she just the way you know different personalities kind of are led by different parts of them. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, we we both are uh, have been moving towards a much more inclusive uh, view of uh, God and uh, Christianity, universe, whatever. Um, and then finding a church, I'm just looking for a place where everyone feels welcome and there's a good uh, place for my kids to hang out. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, I, I don't expect to find a place yeah. where, uh, everyone is, uh, is thinking all the same things as me, but, um, yeah, having some room to, to have different thoughts would be great. Cool.
3: Yeah, that's great. I mean, it's so, it's so unique to find a church where the beliefs that you that you adhere to at the moment are the, the pillar of, um, you know, what the church is all about. It's um, at least that, that my experience is that that's been hard to find. But but there are probably some some churches um, as a as a worship leader yourself. I mean, I've done worship, not not in the same capacity that you have done. Is that something that that comes into play, or how does that work in the uh, in the worship world in relation to if you're going to write songs that have a certain message, or how much creativity is there for for people like yourself who are writing worship to express where you're at lyrically?
0: Um, I'm an odd bird here because I I hate worship music. And- <laughs> Um,
1: good for you no, right? I'm, I'm no, with you I'm I mean, with that you was that was like
0: <laughs> kind of why I was really interested in making some because I was bothered by a lot of things that probably wouldn't bother me as much now, or they'd bother me differently. I'm not sure I haven't thought about it in a while, but uh, yeah, so I ended up writing what I think was you know a, a very good and uh, helpful worship record if you are a kind Calvinist, but
1: <laughs> a no kind long... Calvinist. No worship for kind
0: Calvinists. Uh, <laughs> I like uh, so I mean, so, if this makes any sense of things, like I ended up coming into a more reformed view um, because I saw some really beautiful things there. So I I had grown up in the evangelical church and even though there's a lot of talk about uh grace and whatnot, uh it ends up a lot of times really feeling more like a meritocracy where uh you you know god when you're not doing good or whatever you want to call it, God's mad at you and mm-hmm. then when you are doing good he's pleased with you and so it's just this weird roller coaster of feeling good or bad depending on what whatever you've done that day. Um, so what reformed theology did was, say, Hey, look, God is actually always, uh, loving you the same. And that was really beautiful. And I, uh, and I could see places scripturally where that was played out that had been kind of downplayed in the, the streams that I grew up in. Um, and so I would say, so there was good things there, but I feel like I have moved kind of to a one step higher. Yes, God has always, always loves you and uh, never wanted to uh, kill you and destroy you mm-hmm. and had to take that out on his son. So um, yeah, it's it's a continuation without some of the baggage, I guess, into that understanding of God actually being uh, loved.
1: Yeah, so...
0: I, I think I diverged from... No, no, the, no I, I think worship. that's good. I, uh, I mean, so at this point, I don't know. I think about it sometimes, like what would be actually helpful to to write that I would actually agree with, and that could be used in a variety of places. Um, but I don't. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't thought about it enough. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like the songs that I'm writing for thrice are uh, are very worshipful in a in a sense as well. So I, I I don't draw as clear lines. Um, but I, I mean I, I guess I didn't before but I, I there is a there's a way that I think it's helpful to write for congregational singing wherever you are
1: so i'm yeah i'm I'm curious so you're sort of uh in a place and tell me if this is accurate uh, I, I'm sure that for some people for some Christians, you're you're not Christian enough and for some people who are not Christians, you're too Christian when it comes to your music um do you ever get that and people kind of like complain who are not Christians like hey man are writing these songs about lyrics about about spiritual things, or you know, it want to just write a song about cars and girls. Uh or I don't know. Is that is that the case? Do you do you feel like for some people you're you're too Christian and others you're not Christian enough?
0: Um no, it's mostly just the not Christian enough. Uh because I've always tried to write really honestly uh with Thrice, and so I mean you can track different points in my kind of spiritual journey through records and Mm -hmm. um, try to just be open about whatever and still trying to write in a way that's uh, at the core just a human way and anything, I think anything that you are saying you know, religiously in some sense should be able to be understood on a broader level just humanly Um, and, and, and there's some nuances to that I think but but I think generally that's true. Um, and so there've been a lot of people who are not Christian who are atheists who are whatever, who have enjoyed the band for a long time. And I think appreciate the honesty and the engagement with the topics that I've had. So those people uh, are probably just happy that uh, some of the, the, the baggage is, is being dropped and, Where most of the pushback is is people who felt like uh, I was their their champion in a sense, and and, uh, that I'm abandoning them, which I don't think is true, but I I can understand that.
2: Well, Dustin, I yeah, you know, on our podcast here, we've had you know number of guests on, and we have spent our fair amount of time uh, bashing Calvinism. But I will say, um, I will say one of the things, and I what I hear you saying um, about Calvinism that is actually positive, which, you know, all our listeners probably don't hear this very often, but I I was a former, I'm I'm a former Calvinist. And so one of the things I appreciated about Calvinism, uh, when I was a Calvinist was this idea that the grace of God is not contingent upon performance. Um, but it's just based upon the idea of uh, just goodness, just the fact that there is goodness in existence. Obviously, you know. I think from a Calvinist perspective, it would be that God is good, and so basically, um, God makes decisions based on this premise. Um, but I like it because it's not performance-based, so it, it really it can, can be healing in the sense if you come from a obviously a, a paradigm in which uh, love and acceptance is based upon believing the right information or right performance, which I find to be very unhelpful or even damaging. That idea,
1: yeah. So um, in the time we've got left, I'm Dustin, I'm, I'm excited to talk to you about this new album that uh, Thrice has come out with. Can you talk a little bit about the album and uh, what was it like writing it? Were there certain songs that really uh, kind of set the tone for you on the album and, or, or certain ones that have resonated more with fans? Um, talk, talk to us a little bit about that.
0: Yeah. Um, so the album's called Palms, uh, like your hand. And it started, I woke up out of a dream in the middle of the night and had this uh, thought of, of a palm of an open hand and as a, as a broad metaphor that stretched in all these different directions. So, you know, a palm representing openness to new ideas or nonviolence or vulnerability. And I, my brain was just racing. I, grabbed my phone, started jotting down, you know, thirty different things that came to mind. And laid back down, just laying there thinking, and I saw so if you see it, it's kind of associated with the, the record art. It's not on the cover, but there's a poem and Thrice has had these this logo for a while. It had different iterations, but it's these three bars. One's a straight diagonal and then two are I don't you'd have to see it <laughs> next to it. But but have a bend in them um and I saw in my head the bars in the palm of the hand I turned my light on and looked at my hand and was just tripping out because it's I mean everyone's hands a bit different but um the basic shape is is there in most hands was, oh yeah uh really trippy uh so my brain had subconsciously connected all this even though I had no idea about it and uh, so i was tripping out on that sat on it for about a month and just kept thinking about it and finally brought it to the rest of the guys It's like, hey i've got this idea for the record and um i think i was just so excited about it that i, I was worried no one was gonna dig it but uh everybody was on board and mm-hmm. so yeah the record everything on the record all the songs are kind of built out of one aspect uh that you could view as a uh, an open hand, so whether it's you in, in inclusion of everyone or um, yeah, the, the, the stuff I mentioned earlier, but uh, branch in the river that's it's about a, a letting go of something that you were holding on to tightly. Um, so it, it was an interesting process to write everything really based off one general metaphor and then stretching it uh, in different directions.
3: So, 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 Dustin, what, um, what was the song "Only Us" all about? Yeah,
0: so it's about, uh, I mean, we, so we've developed as very tribal creatures. Um, and that's how we've survived, and it's kind of built into us, right? Uh, we, we want to protect, protect our group, and the other group is bad. And so that's an understandable instinct in us, but uh, many people are starting to understand now that uh, you know things are shifting. We are coming into a a global age. We're seeing a uh, humanity, and from a Christian point of view, like this should be kind of a no brainer. Saying, <laughs> and 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 it has really been happening in a lot of ways for a lot of years, usually with. A lot of terrible things happening along the way, but uh, that idea of this Catholic uh, humanity—that that everyone is uh, is of one tribe—is uh, is getting what the song is getting at. Um, and so there is some interesting research on uh, the ways people have these kind of views of their in, in groups and out groups, um, and you have to. Like everyone has that tendency, but you can actually like you can't change that. Everyone's always gonna have the thing that they have to be against and the group is is the end thing, but you can actually make the thing you're against something external like poverty or hunger or whatever, and you can unite against that thing rather than against another group of humans. Um yeah, so that's that's kind of what the song is, is getting at, like this uh, these tribes that we're identifying with are, are uh, very arbitrary and uh, I am advocating for a, a larger all inclusive uh, tribe.
3: Yeah. So have you, uh, have you read any René Girard? Cause that's kind of what it sounds like. You're going in that direction a little bit.
0: <laughs> uh, I haven't, I've seen some interviews that were, uh, that were very fascinating yeah, I definitely, I definitely dug the stuff I was, I was hearing. So uh, I should check out some more.
2: Well, Dustin, I, you know, I'm just, I'm just curious. Uh, where can our listeners, uh, where can people connect with you online? I tend to make people mad on Twitter. <laughs> um, yes, yes, yes. Uh,
0: I'm, I think it's a good format for me because I'm, I'm super introverted. So it's, it's these small little snippets, and, um, yeah. So I, I try to provoke thought on there and um i try to follow through with conversations with people who disagree and come to a good ending and that happens more often than you would think is possible so yeah um try to listen where people are coming from and i uh, you know affirm that you know this isn't separating us that we think differently on something but um I don't know. It doesn't always lead to someone changing their mind, but it, I feel like any interaction with people that disagree yeah, it ends well is is a win. So, uh, yeah. So you can check out Twitter. Uh, you can follow thrice on Twitter, uh, at thrice, um, check out the new
1: record.
0: We're on tour right now. I'm in a uh, hotel room in Boise, Idaho.
1: No way. That's where I'm living right now. Oh. Hey, maybe we can get together and, uh, I don't know, have some drinks or something.
0: <laughs> we can have drinks. Um, yeah. Uh, we'll figure it out later. I'm at the Grove right now. That's funny.
1: Yeah. It's really cool to have you on podcast. Yeah. Thanks, thanks to so, so much. much. Thank Appreciate you. it. Thanks.
0: Thank you guys so much.
1: Awesome. Wow. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Well, we get some amazing guests on the show. Like I got to say, I'm, I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty excited about the, the variety of guests and the different kinds of people Absolutely. Uh, that we've been able to talk to on the podcast. So yeah, man, that was really cool. So I think um, we touched on some interesting stuff there that I think leads us into our, our topic for this episode which is the omni-characteristics of God, the omni-God. Um, we probably shouldn't even explain what the hell that even means. What is What do we mean when we say the omni-God? What's that all about? Well,
3: I mean, we use these, these terms in theology and, and, you know, any theology, but Christian theology is mainly our context, you know, so we talk about omnipresence, God is everywhere, omnipotence, you know, God is all-powerful, and we use all these omni-terms, and I don't know the first thing I want to say is that I sometimes for me it seems like it's the wrong place to start like we just we talk about all these great characteristics as if you know we talk about one thing let's say it's the omnipotence the, the, the power of god and we just think of it as like power as we think of it to the nth degree so it's god as all these big adjectives and for me it's just I don't know I mean, and and you guys can tell me if you think differently on this. It just kind of misses the point.
1: No, I agree with I
3: I, I don't I don't know. Like like, like we're going to go out there in in the sky and find this biggest, baddest, strongest, most uh highest IQ type of deity out there and and
1: Yeah, well you I,
3: I just don't see it.
1: <laughs> so if you think about it, I mean this is this is a great I think I'm glad you're starting with sort of a conversation about the in general, before we get into the specifics, because uh, here's the thing, like uh, when you think about it like this, like, okay, where do we come up with these ideas uh, about God being, it's basically what we're saying is, is that God is the ultimate man. He's the, he's a super man, right? So
3: Superman. Take, yeah. take
1: the attributes of us, right? Well, we have thoughts, we have intelligence, we have strength, we have abilities, we we have presence, um, so therefore God must have, have those to the, you know, infinite degree. Uh, and, it's, right. and, and I think you're right. I think it's kind of an odd place to begin and it, and it, and it ends up creating a, and it's like the whole thing about how, you know, God created man in his image and then man returned the favor. Um, right. right? It's, it's, it kind of feels like that in some ways, like maybe, maybe we should even rethink this whole omni thing completely. Like, why do we? If the reasons that we, we think of God in these ultimate ways, right, he, is the, he stands for the ultimate wisdom, the ultimate power, right, um, the ultimate creator, all these things. Like, well, um, if, even, if even coming up with that is flawed in some ways, like we begin with ourselves and project outward, maybe we should kind of pause and rethink even our concept of God but you know, maybe, maybe that's taking us in another direction, but I, I do want us to get into the, the Omni parts, but I do think it's still like, we should keep in mind that what we are really discussing are, is a theory of, again, we were talking about the mystery, right? Uh, th- this is, this is an attempt to er- eradicate all mystery and to get down to like, we're going to draw a picture of God right now. And this is what God looks like.
2: For sure. And speaking of mystery, um, have you guys ever thought about where we are?
1: Uh, like, Idaho,
2: what do you mean? Well, no, I mean not like exactly like that, but like okay. So, for example, I, I was recently um, had learned about some studies that that uh, some, this doctor, in specific, this was a neurosurgeon. He was doing these experiments in the nineteen fifties when they were really delving into um, they were delving into uh, brain science and that kind of thing. So, you know, you can do brain surgery um, without any kind of anesthetic, so you can be awake when you do. Uh, or I mean anesthetic just to numb the area, but like you can do brain surgery and there's no pain. So they usually have the patients awake. So they were doing this experiment because he wanted to find out where the person actually was in the brain. So it's a crazy story, but like basically with some of the experiments they documented, they would, you know, he would like uh, be operating on the, the motor part of the brain and he would stimulate the motor part of the brain and the person would raise their right arm. You know, he would like, so he would learn how to like, stimulate different parts of the body. And, and they, and so he would ask them, are you raising your right arm? And the patient would say, well, my right arm is clearly moving, but I'm not doing it. And, um, he said, okay. And that was what he expected because he was doing it through stimulating that part of the brain. But here's, what's crazy. He would say, okay, now what I want you to do is I want you to take control. When I raise your arm, I want you to take control of it and move it a different direction, uh, move it to the left. And what's so crazy about it was he was looking, so he, he when he moved the arm, he could see where the neurons would fire and the pathway it would take to the arm to move the arm. But when the other person would move the arm, he could not find, um, I mean, eventually when the arm moved, he could see the trace of that, but he could not find the decision to ch- take control of the yeah. arm. He couldn't find it. And they did all these studies trying to find where, at what point does the will interact in the brain and they came to this conclusion that consciousness the conscious person is not actually in the body anywhere which is really fascinating when you think about it because it's like oh so it it does interact with the body obviously interacts with the brain it's It's connected connected, but it's not it's not sourced there because it can't be found anywhere in the brain and so i find i find that to be really fascinating because it's like it's like a uh, you turn on a radio, you turn on TV. There's there's not actually an orchestra or a band in the radio. There's no people in the TV. But it is coming wait, through wait, there. You know what I mean? Like So
1: they're not actually in that box.
2: They're not. I know. And and you know oh. I know. I could, like if you took a radio and you went back in time to like caveman area and you'd be like they turn this box on, <laughs> they'd probably be like, Oh my gosh, there's like people in there making these noise. There's people talking in the box. Yeah. It looks that way. It's an illusion, but basically the box is designed to be a, obviously the radio, the TV is a, is a device that we've designed that it can carry a transmission through it. So it looks like it's coming through that box, but really the, the, where is the music? Where are the people? It's like non-local. It's not actually in the box. So when you ask like, where's the music at that you're hearing on the radio? Well, it's everywhere. It's Omni. It's like, Omnipresent. Where is the signal coming from? Where's the TV signals coming from? It's coming through the TV. Well, it's everywhere. So, like, I really feel like. So, where are we? When you ask the question, "Where are human beings?" Are we in our body? Well, we are. I think our body is giving us expression in space and time, which is linear and local, and but that's not where we are. So, can I think it can be said that human beings in our true sourced location are omni. We are omnipotent, and I think I think science will show us that. But we're spirit. So, what are the dimensions of spirit? So, if we're spiritual beings, what are the dimensions of spirit? You, there are no dimensions of spirit; it's everything, right?
1: Yeah, and then that does get back to into the the mystery of things, where even science struggles to define these things, right, um, and to to wrap wrap itself around and and map these things out. We can, but we can yet yeah, we can still see evidence for things where i mean this is why i'm so fascinated about things like quantum theory and that stuff quantum entanglement because uh science now is showing uh, evidence for things for which really there is no (laughs) like uh explanation like we are discovering that some things seem to be happening and we can see that they're happening but we don't have any idea why and i do think then it does for me it feels like it reaching the the limits of scientific um uh, measurement and understanding to but we are actually then seeing sort of the fringes sort of like through a glass darkly what we're seeing is the evidence of the spiritual reality that really is something you know again we're not going to be able to scientifically quantify it but it's there it, it it is real um and that much i do agree with i do think that is uh so so in the sense then of god's omni so like God omniscience right so I guess we should just say that there, there's there's three main omni uh characteristics of God right so God is omniscient, which means he knows everything uh, he knows all knowledge all all facts um past uh, christians traditional Christians would say uh facts past present future everything um God is omnipresent means he's everywhere at the same time um so there's nowhere that God is not and uh um that's omnipresent omnipotent god having as matt alluded you know all power but um we might should what do we mean by that you know what does power mean and there's a fourth one so kind of kind of obscure but it's uh omnificence which is the all creative power of god if we have time to get into that i think that's uh, it has some interesting uh things to consider on that side but but so omniscience when we say god is all knowing um is God all-knowing? I guess we should say that. And 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 if God knows everything, what does He know? And if He knows it, what does that mean?
3: Yeah, I mean that all the all of these things it, it comes down to like how we define it because I mean I think it was uh, Thomas J. Ord that says that God can't know the future right. or something to that effect. And and so like, I, I kind of get that in one way because we think of things linear, linearly, like we you know we move from. I mean, we're always in the present, but, uh, you know, we, uh, we have past, past concept and we have the concept of the future. And since the future hasn't exist, can God know that? And it's like, well, I don't know. I, I think it seems like, well, going back to quantum stuff, it, it seems that it's not necessarily the past that dictates the future. It's sort of the future that kind of brings the, it like dictates the past in some weird yeah. mind fuck sort of way. Like, um, you know, it's like, it's like, yeah. uh, photons yes. go back in time. Um, as if we never, you know, yeah. whether we observe them or not, and then they they, they uh, are a certain, either a, uh, you know, a point or a wave or something like that. Obviously, I'm not a scientist, so. Um, but so, so those sort of things, like, really put a twist on, I think, how we think of things. Like, in a traditional sense, yeah, if the future doesn't exist, can God know it? But it's like, well, maybe the future does exist in in some other universe or multiverse or or you know i i i wouldn't want to limit um god's so-called knowing simply because we don't understand past future and right. present and, and and we think of things linearly but if they're not linearly then i think we're kind of well yeah uh, in over our heads a little yeah, bit yeah so,
1: real quick you have to say you know first of all when you ask this question you first have to define it really says to me much more about the nature of time. I think we have to understand the nature of time yeah. before we can even say, can God, like is Thomas right, that God can't know the future because it hasn't happened yet? Well, that depends on how, your view of time. Is time something sure. that we are currently, uh, it's this linear thing, or is it something that, you, that God as a, as a being could step outside of? got to create time as a concept uh, in his creati- creative omnificence. Uh, And he he exists outside of time, in which case, then potentially, theoretically, he could observe uh, time, past, present, and future. So that's, and that, of course, is one view. Um, But like going back to the quantum entanglement thing, that you're exactly right. Like some of these experiments with photons will bend your freaking mind because like the photons know in advance, and they will whether you are going in the future to observe them or not, and based on whether whether you observe it or not, it behaves now the way it knows you're going to do it, even if you don't know it, if they've randomized, whether you, whether it, you look or you observe or don't observe, because when you observe them, they behave one way and you don't observe them, they behave another way. And that's the yeah. craziest thing about that, that quantum entanglement thing is like, okay, like you just said, like, well, well then maybe at least in some cases it is possible. Is it knowing the future or is it the future informing the past? I don't know, but it's, Something right. crazy, breaks, breaks yeah. It does, yeah. Again, this is why this is why we talk about God in these terms. Like mystery is probably a good thing to embrace. Like we can talk about it; it's fun to to theorize it, but end we don't really know.
2: Well, th- right. uh,
3: maybe Omni Mysterious should uh-huh. be one.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna add that. I'm gonna add that one.
2: Yeah. Here, here's here's something I wanted to propose. Um, and, and again, uh, coming back to this idea of um om, um omniscience, you know, is God all knowing? And um, and I firmly so the quite I used to think of this this concept of God being all knowing, and I was taught this obviously in, in the traditional Christian. When I was you know going through seminary and all this, just just that whole teaching, which they you know God is all knowing, and I had this picture of this being in the sky somewhere, some dimension up there somewhere, who has all just complete understanding, knows all the facts, like a major supercomputer or something. And I think that's how, you know, it's kind of a primitive way to think of the divine, but that's kind of how we're taught to see God, you know, especially in, in Christian circles. So God is the supercomputer knows all information, all everything. And we, we don't. So, but this, there was this man uh, as actually a friend of friend of a uh, good friend of mine, uh, a, a friend of a friend, a good friend of mine who w- had a drug addiction and was, a, I think it was a heroin addiction and he had overdosed and died. Clint was clinically dead ha- and he hadn't, an, and he was not in any way spiritual at all um really didn't even go there and um after his near death experience he actually had a entire enc- encounter when he died and he witnessed it he was you know saw he just goes into a lot of detail about what he witnessed and what he came back with he said everything was explained to me about what we're doing here and he had this profound Experience his life change post the near death experiences. It was fun. He was radically different after this experience, and he said, "Here's why we exist." When I heard it, it really resonated with me. He said, "Here's why we exist," and he said, "We God is all knowing only because we exist." And I was like, "Wait, what?" You know, when, when my friend was telling me that she was telling me what he said, and she said that basically, true knowledge is experiential knowledge. So you know there you, you can't i can't tell you what chocolate's like i mean you know what i mean I, you could read the chemical you know there can be a, a new uh, a dictionary definition of what chocolate is but nobody will actually know what chocolate is like until you actually put it in your mouth and taste it then you will know and it's not something that you can really understand with the mind as much as you can understand it through experience and so god we say God is all-knowing. Well, how would God know what chocolate tastes like? God wouldn't know what chocolate tastes like. How would God know what it's like to move out of the illusion of separation and join another human being in oneness, which is through the act of sex? Like that That's what happens in sex. So you come out of the illusion of separation and experience a sense of connection and oneness. How would God know what that's like? Well, because we, how, would, how would God know what it's like to love another human being? Well, God wouldn't know what that's like unless God actually incarnates. So it's only through incarnation that God experiences and gets life experience and and actually says, Oh, this is what it's like. This is what there's a, there's a desire, I believe at the level of source and consciousness that says, I want to know the fullness and essence of my own self. And so incarnation happens, which thereby gives God. Tr- so God is all knowing, yes, but how? Through experience. Because this is why I think even in, in the Psalms where it says Psalm you know, 4610, be still and know. So there's a knowing that goes beyond the mind. Be still and know that I am God. Well, how would you know that? Because you're experiencing the essence of yourself at that place of stillness. And this is, again, an example of the the quest, the desire for God to experience. God's self. And I do believe that's why we exist. We actually give God experience of God's self because everything is a manifestation of this essence. So it's just interesting. This guy comes back from this ND and he's like, yeah. So when God God loves us and how does that get carried out through our own life, we love others because God loves us and expresses that love experientially in 3D space and time. And I do think, so I think that's just a different twist and that really resonates with me. It's a different twist on saying God is omniscient, all knowing it's like, well, yeah, but we're a part of that equation. Like, yeah, you know?
3: Yeah, no, I've, I've often thought about that. Like just imagine like the father and son sitting around and, and theorizing what it would be like to give grace to one another uh, undeserved grace. And it's like, well, not neither would know <laughs> until they experienced it. I mean, how could you know what it would be like to forget? How, how could God, um and and the, how could the father and the son forgive only in theory without actually experiencing what it's like to forgive another right does that make no, sense no, no, like no. like we we only like we can't we can't read a manual on how to ride a bike and say i know how to ride a bike unless we get on a bike right, right? and actually ride. i mean it's the same kind of analogy I mean, can, can,
2: could you imagine god saying yeah i want you guys to forgive by the way i don't know what that's about because i never had to forgive never actually forgave anybody yeah. uh you know only in theory, only yeah. in theory. like the ideas there but
1: as an attribute, yeah. As an, I mean, forgiveness would exist in theory, um, but not in practice, as an attribute of love, because as mm. I love in you know infinitely and completely, then if there ever were something that needed to be covered in grace and mercy and forgiveness, yes, that would automatically happen. But um, having experienced it before, He created people who could screw up <laughs> uh, and needed to be right. needed to be given some grace and mercy and forgiveness. Uh, yeah, he wouldn't have experienced it, right? That's really, it's really fascinating. Well, going back to what you were saying too, Jamal, um, I think this also touches on, like, uh, Richard Rohr covers this really well in his, the newest book, he came out with Universal Christ, um, that the incarnation isn't just Jesus, and that the incarnation is the universe, that the first incarnation is let there be light, um, let there be, you know, everything, the universe, right? Um, that God, uh, God, so God's presence is in everything, not just humans. Okay. Uh, God's presence is in everything he has ever created. Mm-hmm. Uh, this again, this panentheism. And so uh, in that sense, yes, God is omnipresent um, because everything is an expression um, of the image of God. Mm-hmm. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. And then yeah. God
1: is and not just the image either. Right? It isn't just like um, a tattoo or a, a drawing, right? It's, it is right. a, is a living presence kind of uh, a
2: manifestation
1: manifestation exactly well, and again that's what we mean when we say incarnation
2: right uh, totally um,
1: yeah yeah
3: well we solved the mission and omnipresent why don't we solve omnipotent and, and uh, why
1: don't you go there because i like where you were going with that the question. <laughs> the, well, i like where you were going matthew with that question of um when we say power what do we mean like uh what do we mean by power
3: well i mean if we if we believe that jesus is uh you know what God is like, we certainly cannot think of power in the way humans typically do power. Right. right. Like, um, you know, it's like when we talk about Jesus's Lordship, you know, it's, it's in contrast to Caesar's Lordship. And we, we come from a power over, um, sort of mentality. And, uh, I like, uh, I actually like something Luther talked about what? is that, yes. I know, right there, there, there it is. Um, <laughs> hey, I even like some things Calvin and Augustine. Right? An I don't
1: know if we can be friends before, man. I don't know.
3: Damn it. Damn it, Ralph. Um, but you know, we start our theology at the at the foot of the cross. So when we think of power, we need to flip the whole thing on its head and start from below. Like um, maybe God's power is best seen or manifested in the power of servanthood or serving others or this idea of kenosis and 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 um, you know self-emptying love maybe that's a much more powerful thing than this idea of power over or coercion or force or something like that and that's where i think you know we go back to this god is the biggest baddest dude in the sky and so of course he's powerful he's got huge muscles and he can he can squash you if he wants he can move these mountains because he's big and strong but maybe god moves mountains through powerlessness rather than like power over so
1: absolutely no i do i freaking love that and that is so i think that is exactly right and so this is part of the beautiful thing and i think paul got this this is what paul you know paul had this epiphany where he says you know he realized. Uh, that his, he will boast all the more in his weakness because he says, when I do this, the power, he goes, it is the power of Christ at work in me is this power of weakness. Um, so it's, it is, it's a subversive upside down. Let's rethink this thing. Right. Again, like power isn't having power to slaughter people. It's not having power to bend people to your will. Again, that's sort of the primal, um, primitive way of thinking of quote unquote power. Um, but Jesus definitely reflects to us a, a, a an idea a picture of power as the ability to empty yourself as the ability to lay mm. yourself aside for the sake of someone else, even to the point of death like that's power because we when we think of doing that right don't don't don't, don't we in our minds think I could never do that that's a, that's impossible exactly, and so it would take an incredible power for you to do something that right now to you seems impossible, which would be to empty yourself. And give yourself completely to someone else in love. Wow. Right? Now that's power. Mm-hmm. Right. And then and by redefining power. power, um, now, now, man, now if you say that God is omnipotent and that's what you mean, holy moly, like that's awesome. I love
2: that. I, I tell you what, guys, I am the longer I live, the more I'm becoming convinced in the all powerful nature of human beings. And the reason I say that. Exciting.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
2: (laughs) The reason I say that is is because I I want to. I'd like to unpack just for a bit something that Paul said, and by Paul I mean the guy who is credited from writing most of the New Testament. So Paul said, made the statement. He said, "I can do all things through Christ," you know, who gives me strength. And I know people, you know, that's out of context all this, but there's the essence, the principle behind there is like, "Oh, wait a minute, I can do all things," you know, as he's moving, he's saying this for a reason because he's. He's faced with a lot of challenges, you know, and he, and obviously, you know, is coming out of a lot of things and, and he's like, no, but I can, I can do all the things. And so when we think about Christ, the idea of Christ essence, and I'm coming at it from this angle, Christ meaning um, essence, source essence, God, energy, divine divinity. So through this indwelling Christ part or expression of our being we can do all things i have and then there's like i've always been fascinated with the old testament story you know of uh of babel you know when uh was it nimrod or whatever <laughs> was uh, when the whole world was coming together and they're building this tower of babel And like god was you know the story that god speaks and says you know look they have one mind and one language and all this and and, and nothing shall be impossible to them if they continue along this path Um, and obviously they were, so there's this idea that when humans are unified in consciousness and thought about something that they really are are pretty much unstoppable. And I think the evidence, you can make a good case for that, um, throughout history, just in things that humans collectively have put their consciousness towards, they end up doing. I mean, even it was laughable in 1960, 61, whenever, uh, John F. Kennedy said, you know, in a decade, we're going to put a man on the moon. I mean, this was laughable, um, it never been done in at for in, at any point in human history that we knew about. It never been done, and he says, "Okay, yeah, we're going to put a man on the moon." In the, at the end, by the end of the decade, and it's exactly what they do. Uh, it's just interesting. Even the coaching work that I do with people, I mean, lifelong struggles. That there is just no. the history has just been. We don't get through this. None of my generations before me, my whole family struggled with this. I've struggled with this my whole life. And when you start to tap into source energy. Christ consciousness where desire is found and then intentions are formed from that place of desire. People do things that they once thought were impossible. Absolutely. Inc- and I, I'm just convinced, like, can we really do all things when, it, if it comes, if it's coming from divine source, consciousness, Christ consciousness, energy, essence, wherever you want to, I don't care what the language you want to use. Maybe we really are, you know, expressions of the omnibus, omnipotence of the divine you know and i think of i mean i i when i think of i mean the word impotence is interesting you know like just not able not able to to perform impotence you know but what what if like the opposite of that is like actually no you Potence to be omnipotent is to actually for you to be who you are, to perform to the level that you are actually designed to to perform, which is whatever you're here to do, your desire. You're actually, and I think we manifest that in a very, maybe limited way in space and time through our own lives. But what if we really are these unstoppable uh, beings that express this? Well. Yeah. And I,
3: and I think you are onto something, which is why I think it's important to redefine these ideas of God, because if we think of omnipotence as this biggest, baddest dude in the sky, we will Mm -hmm. be like him sure, and we will Lord over one and over one another, and we will coerce one another. We will enslave and oppress one another. But if we do think of omnipotence as the, the, the powerfulness to serve one another, we will act out of that, um, energy or um, uh, imitation or what have you. Love. it's really, I think it's really love. Yeah. I mean, all these, all these things. I mean, it's really important that we do. um, It's really important what our theology is. Often I I say, well, our theology is kind of secondary to, you know, our experiences and our, you know, being human and all this, but it it is, it it still really is important because we will be like the gods we believe in.
2: Yeah, totally. I, I found personally when I'm motivated by love, the things I alf- often thought I could never do, I end up doing when it's love. When I really sense like love is on the line, like and not in the same. Like when it's when especially when it comes to serving. Like if I'm, it's like okay, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but somehow it's going to happen because I'm compelled. And if I f- if it feels like love, it just takes me above any limitation I thought I I would I've had, you know. And it's crazy.
1: Yeah, there is a very uh, there is a very interesting thing. I mean, I think we're all kind of suggesting this, Jamal, you're probably more than suggesting this, but, um, it's the idea that, um, we kind of do create, um, by creating a desire, by creating intention, um, we do sort of create things happening. And so like, for example, uh, and I think this would, I think actually there's an overflow into the fourth uh omni which is again the lesser known one i think that's uh, om- omnificence or the the all creative power of god uh, and it means that god not only creates things but god can only create things that are in alignment with god's character um and we'll t- get into the implications of that in a second but but i want to stay on this track of where you guys are right now um and just give it a little bit of a personal testimony of this kind of a thing happening in my life where it seems to happen a lot um and the way it it happens to me is things like typically I'll just be um, talking to God. I mean, I don't consider it like I'm not on my knees um, with candles and all that. I'm just sort of like laying lounging on my couch or something, talking to God or driving in my car, talking to God. And, um, and I'll just say something like, you know, God, it'd be really cool if this happened or God, it'd be really cool if I could do this or I- if this thing would open up or this opportunity would happen. And dude, within a couple of days, that thing will freaking happen. That's and, crazy. And, um, and so whether it's like, well, that was God answering your prayer. Yeah. Okay. Or maybe it just feels like I'm, I mean, I think there's lots of different ways you could try to explain this. And again, this goes to the mystery. Like, I, I think there's uh, it's a, it's valid to explore like different things that could be happening. Is it that somehow possibly, I don't know, maybe I kind of know it's coming. Like, a do I know the future I, am I sensing the future that this is that this is something that is coming coming towards me this is an opportunity that is that is bound to happen and I'm just expressing like I think I recognize that coming towards me and I and I'm thinking I welcome that I think that's cool and then it shows up or I am I desiring something and thinking that would be cool and then that thing gets created out there and then happens like I don't know and I, I don't know that I again that I feel like I need to draw a picture of that and make it it's exactly this. I don't know what it exactly is, but I have experienced that kind of thing over and over again.
2: Well, you know, Keith, it's really interesting that you say that about, like, do you know the future? That kind of thing. There's this institute, the Math, the Heart Math Institute, um, and they, you know, they've been featured on a lot of studies. Um, they're, they're scientists, and they they tend to, you know, want to. So they get, they get into a lot of like heart science kind of things, and what they they've done these studies where they will show pictures. Um, and they will rate like heart rate monitor your heart rate, and they ha- they would have pictures. They had these you know people sitting in front of a computer, and they would show these random pictures. And some pictures would be very peaceful and loving, and some pictures would be tragic, you know, and violence and all this kind of thing. And what they what the experiment showed them is that the heart at the heart level, not the con- mind level, but the heart level, right before. Um, a negative picture was going to come up on the screen. The heart would 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 uh, react. Uh, there would be a distinct uh, with the heartbeat. It could be detected that there was a negative picture coming before it even came on the screen, and so it was picking up on a signal somewhere. And it was be able it was able to like tap into that or whatever. So the heart actually can, according to these experiments. Know the future at least in, in these experiments a few seconds before they were actually going to happen, um, but I personally believe desire. Um, you know, some of the root word of desire is of, you know, where we get the root word for God, deity. But it's it's of God, like the things that are deep desires. Um, and even there's a passage in James that says, you know, let him who asks, you know, not doubt, right? Because he who doubts, like a like a wave to- toss back and forth. But I think there's a principle in that that when you tap into desire, it's not like wishful thinking it's like it's 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 a compelling you can't let it go it's deep desire and a lot of times when we whether you call it prayer intentions whatever it is that come from that place um those we do see those manifest when we really move into that because i believe that desire is given to us as a gift as an expression of divine nature well yeah Um, because we do we do those things that come from
1: yeah i i want to i want to just um I'm agreeing with you, um, in essence, but I, I want to clarify something. At least, th- this is just my perspective. That I think, um, I think that is true. Again, in my experience, but I think it's. Uh, I'm feeling like it's true if that desire is in alignment with the canonic nature, the the loving, the the idea of the all the things we just talked about, the the things that truly are the attributes of God. Um, totally. And so, totally. so, so, in other words, it's not like oh. Uh, so if I just desire, uh, I want a 50 foot yacht and I want a hundred million dollars in my bank by Thursday, like those things probably are not going to happen you know, because I think those are things I am creating from a different place. Those are desires that I'm creating that are coming from a place that isn't emanating from the source, the true source of all things, which is this, uh, love and self-giving and all that. So like if, if the things that I'm, that I'm sitting around desiring are things that truly are beautiful, that would be a beautiful blessing that would be an yeah. a, uh, um, and a a further expression of who I am created to be as a person, right? Uh, it's fulfilling my gifts, my talents, my abilities and all these things like, and, and I'm, and I'm surrendering to that. And I'm sort of dreaming of how those things can continue to, uh, to thrive that for me anyway, it feels like those are the kinds of things that when I have those desires, when I have those if it's coming from a very pure place, those are the things that almost like, I can, I can almost tell you in the moment that I'm having the thought, that thing's probably going to happen. Like, I, I just have the mm-hmm. sense of like, you know what? I, I fully believe it. It's going to happen. I just, mm-hmm. and again, not, and not on any kind of like name it and claim it or, oh, I just have to have, a, have to drum up enough faith. No, it's not that at all. It's just sort of like mm-hmm. it, it, I receive both signals at the same time the signal that, yeah. that it would be great if this happened and the signal that it's already happened and it's going to happen. It's, and it's odd. Again, I can't explain it and wrap language around it. It sounds really odd, but, but I do think it has to be something in alignment with coming from this place of the the true source who is, who is Christ. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good stuff, gentlemen. So, uh, I guess before we crash this plane, <laughs> um, we got yeah, we a couple you want to land it? How about a rough landing?
2: Yeah, <laughs> oh, <that's good. laughs>
3: We uh, we do have a website, heretichappyhour.com Bookmark it. That's where you get all the uh, all the episodes. Make sure you stay up to date on that. We have a store and all that good stuff there. Uh, we have some, you know, some free goodies and whatnot on there. So that that that, that can be our landing page. And we also uh, do have a Facebook group that is undergoing a few changes and with growth, it's new and improved, it's new, and, new improved. and improved with growth comes growing pains. So we're working through that, <laughs> but uh, please join the group and just beware that you got to be kind and you probably should listen to the show if you join the group. So uh, those are my two quick announcements.
1: Yeah. And if you can't get enough and who can really of these conversations, you should jump over to the Patreon page. Yes, we have a Patreon page and over there, not only can you support us and uh, what we're doing, but uh, as a thank you gift, you know what? We record extra stuff, bonus stuff we interview, you know, extra little bonus clips of the interviews we do that are so fascinating. So you get to hear more of the interviews, you get to hear more of these conversations because, you know, when the, when the podcast ends, we don't shut up. We keep talking. We keep, uh, you know, thinking about these things and batting things around. And you get to hear those extra conversations over on the Patreon page. So jump over there. Uh, and support us at slash uh, heretic happy hour, as you might have guessed. And I also want to say, um, our sponsor, one of our sponsors, uh, for the last several episodes is the Hope Center. It's a community resource center serving one of Alabama's poorest communities by providing a neighborhood market where neighbors can shop for food at no cost in an atmosphere of love and respect. And you can visit their website at servealabama.org. Um, but I want to say something special that, um, this ministry is run by one of my really good friends. Uh, a wonderful, amazing human being. His name is Jason Elam. Um, and for this labor of love that they are involved in uh, to be sustainable beyond this particular month, they're in a kind of a crisis situation. They need to pay off their building uh, and and significantly raise their monthly support by the end of this month, or they can't continue to do this. So if you can, uh, if you would I, would, I think it'd be so amazing if you're looking for like, where can I give? Where can I you know invest in, in something that's that's beautiful that's doing wonderful things especially this month I would encourage you to go sur- to servealabama.org and please support what they're doing um, that they can continue to do this amazing work uh, there in Alabama
2: for sure and and you, you guys know what th- th- I have a cool like kind of announcement to end the show with um we are actually we actually made it as an iTunes podcast we're on cool. iTunes like we're, actually a pod- we're actually an official podcast so that means you can go to iTunes and you can rate and review the Heritage Cafe, Our podcast we would actually really really appreciate it if you're a listener and you haven't done that yet to go and rate us and write a review um, it helps uh, the podcast grow and get exposure so thank you in advance
1: alright guys we'll see you next time